We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Can Chris Olave finish as a wide receiver one? Is Ramondre Stevenson worth an early round pick? We're talking Saints and Patriots projections on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into... The Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. Happy Friday to everybody. I am excited to be talking about the New Orleans Saints, my hometown, New England Patriots, and some of the interesting options in these offenses. For the Saints, we have a new look with Derek Carr under center. For the Patriots, there's hopes that this year they will actually have some semblance of organization at offense, bringing in returning coach Bill O'Brien to be the offensive coordinator. And uh, fans in New England are hoping that we get to see some improvement for Mac Jones in year three. Without further ado... We're just going to get into the projections. Okay, so let's start with the Saints. This is a team that went 7-10 and in the previous season. This is a team that has a change at quarterback with Derek Carr. Coming into the fold, we'll talk about what things might look like for him in a couple of minutes. But at a high level, the last two seasons, this is a team that has been well below league average in overall play volume. In fact, last year, they ran 56 plays less than league average with a 53 to 47 split on pass versus rush. If you expect the team to do something fairly similar this year, you might have them somewhere in that range. I actually think that we see a little bit of improvement for the team this year. I think that with Carr, maybe they pick up an additional win, maybe win and a half. I have them coming in nine plays below league average with a fairly similar split, 500 rushing attempts, 547 passing attempts. Derek Carr... Last year, as a reminder, finished the year in Las Vegas 
with 3,522 yards on 502 attempts, completed 61% of his passes, had 24 passing touchdowns, did not do much as a rusher. In comparison to years prior, when he had been um, with Las Vegas or with the Raiders, he had completed normally somewhere around 68 to 60. Uh, seven, 69, 70% of his passes. So that was a pretty significant drop-off. Um, in terms of touchdowns, he normally floated somewhere in the range of around uh, the 24 mark like he put up last year. Managed to put up three rushing touchdowns in 2022, in 2019, but obviously, as we all know, rushing has never been a major component of his game. As a result, He'll see about 8% of the offense from a rushing perspective. I end up, after things trickle up to him, from projecting out the players that will be catching passes thrown his way with a completion percentage of 66% and actually 25 passing touchdowns. I think one rushing touchdown could be in play around 100 rushing yards. This gets Derek Carr to somewhere around quarterback 18 so that kind of sets the stage of of the baseline of production that you might expect from the passing offense, at least in New Orleans this year under head coach Dennis Allen. From the perspective of the running backs, it's going to look a little bit different this year. You're going to have Alvin Kamara returning to be the main back there. You're Jamal Williams and his ridiculous touchdown rate from last year in Detroit making their way over there. And also rookie... Kendra Miller. Now, as we talked about, it can be challenging in baseline projections to pick up uh, some of the things that you might think are fairly reasonable just because you're you're basically configuring one scenario. Before we run through this, I will say Kendra Miller to me is a player that's really interesting um, because you have two backs ahead of him that could be at points in their career where they just are not as effective. Um, you also have a player that could be a little bit more dynamic at this point in his career. Uh, and an offense, too, that I think has room for two running backs to function. And it's possible that you see Miller be one of those two backs that the team decides to lean on. As a result of this, in my baseline projections, he does not pick up very much work. Um just 14% of rushing attempts at this point, and that might shift as we get more intel on the offense throughout the summer. Just 2% of receiving targets. As a result of that, you know, you're not going to see him factoring in, but I think it's worth noting that he's one of those players I am fairly interested in getting on my rosters this year, at least as things are constituted in the fantasy landscape currently. Now, I have Alvin Kamara with a 50% rushing share, a 14% target share, but I think it's worth taking a step back and looking at the trajectory that he's gone the last couple of years in terms of play volume. So his target percentage last year was at 18%. It was at 20% the year before between 20 and 22% the three years prior. So he has remained a, uh, you know, steadfast component of the team's passing offense his rushing share has really fluctuated from somewhere in the low 40s up to the mid 50s. He's at the point where I don't think that you necessarily see a drastic change in his usage. 
as a result, I think your baseline looks like a 50% rushing share. Uh, if you go a little bit conservative, somewhere on a 14% rushing share. Now, the reason that I put them at the 14% is I think that there are some instances where you have Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller uh, each getting somewhat involved into the passing game. And that's probably not likely, but I think there's enough outcomes where between the two of them, it could take a little bit of that share that I have Kamara at just 14% this year. So we'll talk about how that might leave some upside in for him. Um, last year had 897 rushing yards, just two rushing touchdowns. Did see 57 receptions as a receiver, uh, was able to do a little bit of work as well. Um, and actually... One of the interesting things is if you look at his receiving touchdown rate, just as recently as 2021, it was at 11%, which is very notable. He had five uh, receiving touchdowns that year, five the year before, just two in 2022, where you have seen somewhat of a drop-off is with the rushing touchdowns. Back in 2020, he put up 17, was at just four in 2021, just two last year. So this is definitely a player where his best fantasy season, which was 2020, uh, is in the past. But I think that you see a little bit of an uptick this year in the rushing touchdowns, gets him to around four rushing touchdowns, thousand rushing yards, somewhere around 55 receptions in this baseline with two receiving touchdowns. That baseline scenario gets him to RB 14. Now I said that that does leave some upside in there. Let's just say he gets back to 18% of the targets. You immediately would see him jump up to RB8. Now, the reasonable downside that you could expect would probably come here if he drops down maybe to 12% of the targets. And this is really more so from the perspective of having a stretch of games maybe where he has to be phased out due to being banged up, due to just being overtaken by the younger players. Um, and in this scenario, maybe gets 45% of the rushing work, 12% of the passing work. That would move him back to running back 21. So we have this window of 8 to 21 in the reasonable range of outcomes with your baseline somewhere around 14. Now, if we start to talk about some of the scenarios that you can't get in there, I would say that in comparison to some of the other players, there might be more downside just because the group of running backs that he's playing with is stronger, in my opinion, uh, and there's more skills that they can reach out to from the other backs than some of these other teams that you see out there. Um, as a result... I will close by saying I think the realistic ceiling that you expect for him is, is somewhere around RB8. I think the downside's a little bit more, though, like RB26, maybe somewhere in that range. Uh, but I do think that I am seeing drafts where he's being a little bit undervalued. Uh, so overall, at ADP right now, an underdog, for example, I think that he is looking to be... Uh, Priced fairly appropriately. Um, I'm looking at an underdog draft that I'm in right now. And uh, in this ADP, 
<laughs> so I, I actually kind of need to say that I actually think that uh, he's a really good value right now in underdog because he's going at RB 34. So I do like that. That's actually a little bit ahead of where I was thinking. I was thinking it was somewhere like RB 24. Um, so yeah, uh, Kamara, I think nicely priced. The real bigger question, though, is Chris Olave, right? I see drafts where Olave is going um, sometimes at like wide receiver nine on underdog, normally around wide receiver 12. And this comes on the heel of the heels of an absolutely uh, great rookie campaign across 15 games, consolidated 26% of the Saints targets. Went for over a thousand yards, put up fourteen point four seven yards per reception. Had a receiving touchdown rate of six percent, equates to four receiving touchdowns. Has solidified himself as the wide receiver one there. Uh, at this point, you're not thinking that Michael Thomas is likely going to challenge for that. As a result, you're going to see Olave likely finish with a similar target share. This year, probably similar efficiency. I have him now. One thing to keep in mind, right, is the uh, he should right off of the bat see a nice target share. As a result of that, I have him with around 86 receptions on 137 targets, six receiving touchdowns, and this puts Olave at wide receiver. 19. Now, one qualm you might have is my baseline projection has him at just 25% target share. With some of these players towards the top, you might want to quibble and put him just at 26 for the baseline. If we do that for the baseline, he's wide receiver 17. Now, I think that in an upside scenario, there's kind of two ways that we can achieve a little bit of upside for him. I have him at a catch rate of 63%. He was at 61% last year. You could argue that the change to Derek Carr gets him up to the 65% target share range. If we do that and we assign him a target share of 28%, you see Olave make a jump where he now becomes the wide receiver 11. If we back off the 28, put it down to 26, leave a little bit of an increase in the reception rate. Uh, he finishes in at wide receiver 16. So I would argue that just based upon putting together a subjective projection, Olave is overpriced. But where this type of valuation fails to realize it is the upside is actually a little bit different than what you're going to model in for him because I think that it's possible you see him really explode in terms of big scoring plays and you could see a sizable jump in his receiving touchdown percentage uh, where maybe we end up with him getting to, I don't know, let's just say like nine touchdowns, right? If that happens, even in your base case uh, where you'd have him even at like a, a target share of 25%, you back that catch rate back down to something like 0.63 that doesn't assume a tremendous amount of growth. If you look at where he finishes, 
This gets him, interestingly, only up to wide receiver 15. If that were to come, though, with a target share of 27%, you'd see him finishing around wide receiver 11. So what does that tell us? Well, it tells us that, again, from the projection perspective, the way we're doing this here, you can't really capture the upside that I feel is there. Uh, maybe I'm a little too high on what the upside could look like. I think it's probably somewhere around wide receiver eight. Uh, as a result of this, the takeaway is he's probably fairly priced. The downside, though, for him, um, I think would just be a season that's similar to what we saw out of him last year, which I don't think is that significant. Uh, so can he become a wide receiver one, like I asked at the top of the show? Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. It's in the realm of possibility, and I think he only needs a couple of the guys ahead of him to miss um, and not too much to happen because what you're seeing with the way that his numbers get put together, uh, they're in a pretty similar band in many of those scenarios. The other wide receivers, you have Michael Thomas with a target share of 16%, uh, Rashid Shahid at 10%. Now, the case for him would be uh, Michael Thomas does some of the things we've seen Michael Thomas do in years past missing games that opens up a nice window for Shahid uh, playing with a quarterback like Derek Carr. It's possible we see him put together a better season than one might expect. I have A.T. Perry, the rookie, putting up three receiving touchdowns, getting involved to some degree in this offense. He could see a target share of 10 percent. He's one of those players I'm going after in best ball leagues late because I think you could get a nice game or two maybe towards the end of the season, which would be useful. But I think the other player of consequence to talk about here is Jawan Johnson, the team's tight end one. Now, last year, in a slightly different situation in New Orleans, we saw him record a target share of 14%, scored seven receiving touchdowns, averaged 12.1 yards per reception. I end up with him with a target share of 14% this year. Scale back the touchdowns a little bit based off of a high rate last year to, he was at 17% last year. 10% um, feels like a good baseline for him. That would give him 51 receptions, almost 600 yards, five receiving touchdowns. And that puts him in at tight end 11, which is already stronger uh, than you see him being drafted in many cases. And I think it's possible that you actually could see for him a target share that would go up to 17%. So we use that 17%. We don't tweak anything else too much. And we look at tight end rankings that could get him into uh, somewhere around tight end nine. So I think that there's a lot more upside um, for Johnson in comparison to his ADP uh, than other drafters, other fantasy managers out there might think. So I do like him at the price point in which we find him. I think the downside for him isn't too significant um, in comparison to his ADP. Even if he only got a 10% target share, we hold all the other assumptions equal. Uh, you end up with him coming in at tight end 26. That is a huge shift there, which does speak to some of the fragility of these tight end projections for players in his range this year. But on underdog, at the current point in time, we have Juwan Johnson going 
as tight end 21. Uh, so with where you're drafting him, that downside's not too big of a deal. All right, we spent actually 19 minutes on the Saints. Let's make our way over to New England, where one thing that could blow this up is talks of the team having some level of interest in Dalvin Cook. I'm not really convinced that it's that realistic of a landing spot at this point. Uh, But with things looking like they've come and gone in Miami, which I still think is more likely than New England, uh, with the Jets having shown interest but not looking like they're going to commit, it's, I guess, somewhat in play. Anyways, you don't come to me for the news. Let's talk about what New England did last year. They went 8-9, and nine, as I mentioned. Uh, not a great deal of structure offensively. Bill O'Brien should be able to assist with that returning this year. I think that we'll see some different things get done offensively. Now, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed. The interesting thing that you have here is Ramondre Stevenson currently looking like he should have a pretty sizable run of the team's backfield, uh, which is kind of a nice thing because for many years, there's been a question of just what exactly that split will look like. Um, so let's break down a little bit what they did, um, what the, what the team did last year, though, just from a team level, we saw the Patriots go 61 plays below league average. They were at 12 plays below league average in 2021 and 76 plays below in 2020. I think we see, uh, uh, uh an uptick while well, I'm stuttering an uptick this year in speed for the team. I think maybe we see them pick up an extra win as a result of this. They still come in though, 24 plays below league average, but ahead of that 61 decrement that we saw last year with a 56 to 44% pass to rush ratio. This gives them 455 rushing attempts, 576 passing attempts, which in my projections are expected to go to Mac Jones. There is some possibility, though, that you could see Bailey Zappi get back into the fold. I think, though, that the team is still committed to trying to make it work with Mac Jones. My baseline projection for Mac Jones gives him 24 touchdowns, 3,964 passing yards, and a fantasy projection that gets him to somewhere around quarterback 27. We'll 
go to the wide receivers this time first. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, I assigned a share of 19%. Devontae Parker, 14 uh, You have Kendrick Bourne and Tyquan Thornton coming in around 10% each. I know a lot of people are really interested in Tyquan Thornton, um, and maybe I have to scale that projection up for him. Um, but if we look at the projection for Devontae Parker, who's at a 14% share, slightly different numbers to Thornton, but I think it gives us an idea of what you might be able to get from him. Um, you'd see that Parker projects out at somewhere around wide receiver 58. Uh, Juju ends up at wide receiver 36. The larger takeaway here is I think that the wide receivers are somewhat capped this year. Um, I don't see the team really, unless one of these players is able to consolidate it, which I don't think happening. I don't see any of these wide receivers really being of major consequence. Juju definitely will flirt with a wide receiver three season, could finish in that range, but it's actually going to be fairly hard for him absent of getting a target share that gets to around 23% um, to go over a thousand yards and eclipse six touchdowns. Even a scenario where he gets a 23% share, it's 132 targets, catches 69% of those balls. Um, you're only looking at him finishing as the wide receiver uh, 23, which maybe I shouldn't say only. That actually might be a good outcome for Juju. But what I think is more interesting to talk about is the tight ends. Now, I could just be reading too much into what we've seen the Patriots do in prior years, uh, some of the schemes that we've seen Bill O'Brien deploy, but I end up with the tight ends both getting uh, around 12 to 13% of the target share. Mike Kosicki scoring five touchdowns and recording 50 receptions. Uh, Hunter Henry a little bit behind, but you have Gasicki finishing um, as the as a, the tight end 11 in this projection set, right? And as I mentioned, there was not much separating a lot of these players, but I'm seeing Gasicki go in drafts much later than where he uh, bears out in that projection. I see him going in the 20s. And my feeling with this Patriots offense this year is that there's a very decent chance that Gasicki is able to flirt with being a tight end one. 11 might be a little optimistic, but I really like his chances this year of outplaying his ADP. Uh, I, you know, last year, and I think maybe you'd argue for a couple of years, we've seen some disappointing results for him. Um, you know, back in 2021, we saw an 18% share for him. He only had two touchdowns, uh, but in 2020 did get 16%. Had six receiving touchdowns, put up 703 yards last year um, on just a 9% target share, which was 32 receptions, did score five receiving touchdowns. So I don't think that an expectation of him putting up somewhere around five touchdowns and 575 yards, 50 receptions is really that wild. Uh, so it's surprising to me that we're not seeing his ADP higher as a result. He has upside at his current ADP, and I would say that there's even upside 
on what I've projected for him. I think a season in which he gets to seven touchdowns, 700 yards um, is, is possible. Now the highest you're going to see him get to is probably somewhere around tight end eight, but at that ADP, it's pretty sizable. And I'd argue that there's really not much downside there. So he's a player worth going after. And then maybe there's even some upside for Hunter Henry, who as a result of Gesicki uh, is going in the mid thirties on some platforms because you could see a scenario where he gets to a target share of 13%, maybe puts up four touchdowns. Uh, as a result of that, he's able to finish um, in a range where he could sneak his way into like uh, high-end tight end two territory. And I wouldn't bank on that, but that's a scenario that's out there as well. As far as the wide receivers go, Perhaps I did not give any of them enough of a case for upside. So before we close, let's just say that Juju Smith-Schuster, for example, gets to a target share of 26%, which is a significant upgrade over what I would expect for him. The best case scenario for him would probably be somewhere around wide receiver 16. Um but if I count for many of the scenarios, I'd say the real best case scenario for him is probably somewhere around wide receiver 18. The interesting thing about him is with where he's going in drafts this year and the way I've been structuring a lot of my teams, I'm finding him on more of them than I feel comfortable with. Uh, but he is going at wide receiver 51. And that does feel like something that should be outplayable in a pretty sizable amount of configurations that you could put together for him in the coming year. So versus his ADP, there's actually a decent amount of upside. So spent a lot more time on the Saints than we did on the Patriots. And that's because uh, I have not talked about the running backs, which we need to do. So let's just say that the Patriots don't bring in Dalvin Cook or another running back, a kind of baseline scenario from Ramondre Stevenson puts him with a 57% rushing share, an 11% target share. I think we do see solid yards per carry. I have him at 4.5 yards per carry, which is pretty significant uh, efficiency for a running back that I would build into baseline projections, a rushing touchdown share of 3%, um, catching 77% of Passes thrown his way. So this is a pretty efficient season for him. That puts him into low end running back one territory. There is some upside. Uh, I think you could see him accrue maybe 3% more of the rushing work. You could easily see him get to 12% of the team's passing work. If you make those tiny tweaks, Um, You see him get into the RB7, RB8 range. The downside for Stevenson, though, I would argue is more significant than the upside because I think it is possible you see him finish with a target share that's closer to 8%. Uh, You could see him finish with a rushing share that's closer to 53%. And when you combine those adjustments, you have him finishing... Uh, somewhere down at RB 
18. My realistic range of outcomes for him, if you will, probably has him going somewhere from like RB7 back to RB22. Um, and I am seeing him most of the time being selected somewhere ahead of RB10. Uh, so I don't think that he has too much upside in comparison to his ADP. Uh, the downside is there. Um, maybe a bit more than you would have with arguably, uh, well, I think it's probably fairly equivalent to the backs that are going in his range. So Stevenson, um, as far as the running backs in that area, I, I don't think he's a player I'd try to be overweight on. At this point, uh, I'd try to get him in a similar share if I were owning or managing many teams uh, as I would other players in that area. All right. So next week, uh, plan is that Curtis will be back. We won't go through as many of these uh, projection episodes next week. But when we do regroup next time for projections roundup here, we're going to be talking about the Vikings and the Dolphins, and I'm very excited to talk about the Dolphins. Um, naturally, you have two of the best wide receivers there, I think. It's interesting to see what uh, Tua's year could look like in a number of cases. And I also think that there's another player on that roster that's being overlooked uh, who could be a pretty useful player given the delta that I see between his ADP and what feels like a fairly reasonable outcome for him. So I hope that everybody has a good weekend. I hope you're all getting into all kinds of FFPC and underdog drafts, and we will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 